Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At that time, it was groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that has remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart. And I know that my favorite pair of sandals, the ones that I can wear tromping around all day, that I can wear you know, running up and down the streets of small towns when I'm out on vacation, and my feet not be sore at the end of the day, are Clark's. And that's why I'm teaming up with Clark's in Podgo to bring you up to 30% off on select items, including on the iconic Clark's desert boot. Just go to podgo.co forward slash Clark's. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O forward slash Clark's to get that discount. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. And just want to remind you to head over to MightyParenting.com and grab your free email series on how to talk to your teen. All right, moms and dads, when it comes to raising teens and living peacefully with our 20-somethings as they kind of start tending to pop in and out a little bit, clear expectations in calm parents go a long way towards smoothing that path. And when chaos reigns, tempers end up getting short and parents get frustrated and our kids don't do well then either. And one thing that can help in all of this is the way that we go about getting things done in our house, our household management. It is not something we really think about um, as a way of dealing with problems in our household and a way of making our relationship with our kids better. But just making a few changes to what you're doing, you might be surprised. It might just solve some of the problems you're having and improve that relationship with your teen. So to help us out today, we have Ashley Bufa. Ashley is a published author, a home systems expert, and a mother of 10. She runs her own business, so she knows what she's talking about here. And today she's going to give us a little guidance on systems for our homes and our families. Ashley, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. As I said, when we were chatting before the interview, when I went through your website, I was really excited because this isn't something we've actually ever addressed on Mighty Parenting. And yet, as you and I were talking about, it's essential for having a peaceful home. Yes, it is. It is, you know, it's something that we really need. And especially the stay-at-home parent, mom or dad, whoever, But when you're talking to people, you talk about household management. Could you explain what that really means? Absolutely. It's kind of a large umbrella, um, but basically it's making sure that everything in your home is running efficiently and running well, and everyone knows who's in charge of what. And when it's supposed to be done, it's kind of like the expectation of how the home runs. I like to think of it in terms of if my home were the cutest boutique hotel, 
<laughs> how would it run? Is it just kind of like whenever we have, whenever we have time, management takes care of it, or is there a system? Is there, you know, are there ways that everything gets done? Is there a timeline? Are there um, SOP, standard operating procedures for how we conduct ourselves in our home and how we take care of it and how often things get done? That was kind of the first um, mindset shift that I had when it came to my, my home, because I realized I love traveling and going somewhere new and staying in a really cute, you know, chic decorated hotel room. And why do I love that? because the hotel has systems in place that make it comfortable and clean and running smoothly. And so I realized I can actually do that in my own home. I can turn my home into like my destination spot, right? So that was kind of the umbrella of home management for me started when thinking if this were a hotel, how would it be run? And then it kind of just all evolved from there. I know what you mean about staying in, whether it's a hotel or a B&B or an Airbnb or whatever, but just that, that comfort, like you said, systems in place and a nice, clean, clear space to be in, no junk laying around, <laughs> nothing to clean up, nothing else that I need to do. And, and I know, I know when I'm going to get my room picked up or fresh towels or clean sheets or whatever that is, I don't have to put any mental energy toward it. And I don't have to put any physical energy toward it, which is a bonus. Now at home, we still need to put some physical energy toward it, but I'm guessing you're going to tell us to stop putting quite so much of our own physical energy toward it. Oh, yes. Because, you know, when, when you're a parent, you get to outsource (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't mean everything, of course, but yes, in, in our home family means team, um, which means that if one of us is working, we're all working. And so then we can all kick back and relax and follow whatever passions we have at the moment together, instead of just, you know, one person doing all of the work and feeling disenfranchised with life in general. And, you know, it just kind of devolves from that point on. (laughs) It does. I know for myself, um, so my girls are in their twenties now and with COVID they're home a little bit longer than we'd expected, which is great. And during those college years, as they would come and they would go, I noticed that when it's just my husband and I, I didn't have attitude about I'm putting my dishes in the dishwasher and there's one extra bowl in the sink or one extra place setting in the sink. But when I go there and there are three or Mm -hmm. I come home, if I've been working someplace else during the day and I come home and there are all the dishes they've used during the day, there's a lot of mom attitude there. And that's right when I walk in the door, which isn't setting a great tone for the rest of the day. And the first interaction they're going to have with me is me being irritated and annoyed and possibly the first words being, why didn't you people clean up after yourselves? You're three adults to do this. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So how do you help us make that shift? Like, I mean, no mom wants to be the only person or dad wants to be the only person cleaning up. Like, how do we get there in the first place, I guess, is more what I want to think about is what what gets us into that rut where we're the only one doing it? Well, I think that a lot of it stems, I mean, it starts early on really in the parenting journey when, you know, when you're a mom of younger children and you have, you know, your four or five and six year old or whatever the ages may be, and you realize, well, you know, I could show them how to do this, but it will be so much faster if I just do it myself. 
that's like the first trap that we fall into. Or then once you have, you know, your, your middle-aged kids, you know, um, nine through 12, where they have figured out that if they don't do the job well, that mom will just do it herself. (laughs) And mom falls into the trap of thinking they're just not capable of doing this. It's too much work. I'm just going to keep doing it myself. And so it's, it's all these traps along the way. And then when you have these, um, you know, these older teens and even young adults who they've realized kind of how to work the system and that mom will just do it because mom's not willing to accept it not getting done, then, you know, you're in the spot where it's like, well, how did, how do I get here? How do I get out? Do I just have to like kick everybody out in order to get my clean home back? (laughs) Right. So it's, (laughs) It's kind of a bunch of different stages that lead up to it. But the great news is you can stop that at any point. Um, And, you know, when we're dealing with teenagers and with young adults, I have personally found that the easiest way to do that is through extraordinarily clear expectations, followed up with inspections to make sure that it's actually the expectation is actually being met. But One of the things, one of the core ideas in my system is that we use, I mentioned it earlier, we use SOP, standard operating procedures, and there is an SOP in every room of the house. And so for my child who is assigned to do bathrooms, the SOP is in there, it's laminated, it's not going anywhere. And there is literally a checklist. And so before they leave the bathroom, they need to go down the checklist. And it's like down to making sure that there is a spare roll of toilet paper in the bathroom because that needs to be taken care of. Right. And so if it's there in black and white, if it's there on the checklist, it eliminates the excuse. Oh, well, I forgot, you know? Um, so it's just really important that those expectations be extremely clear, but then there has to be the accountability piece. Um, you know, just the, just actually just yesterday, my teenager who's in charge of bathrooms, um, came down and said that he was done. And I went up there and there was not a spare roll of toilet paper on the back of the toilet. And so I told him, your job is not done yet. You need to go finish. He's like, oh yeah, sorry, mom. So there has to be, you know, when we want our children doing chores, they need to have the clear expectation, but there also has to be the accountability part of it. Um, there's a saying, and I wish I could figure out who it was that originally said this, but it's so brilliant. And it says, you must inspect what you expect. And so if we aren't willing, our chores as parents, our chore is really to make sure that our children are doing their chores correctly. It's the inspection part of it. And I'm not saying that I don't do any other chores. There's plenty of other stuff that I do, but my biggest chore as the manager of this home, as the CEO is to make sure that my people are doing what I have asked them to do and make sure they're doing it to the best of their ability. And so if I'm not willing to do my part, how can I expect my children to do their part? <laughs> it's kind of trickle down um, management, but I've really found that, you know, if your kids know you're not going to be checking in, of course, they're not going to finish the SOP. That's kind of human nature. But if they know, Hey, mom is going to come and look at this. And then she's going to wait until I'm fully immersed in talking with my friends or playing a video game. And then she's going to make me come and do it. <laughs> they're going to be more likely to do it right the first time. If they know that there will be an inspection, they're not going to slack off because they know, I mean, my kids know that I will wait until the least convenient moment for them to come and ask them to do it, to finish their job. So, (laughs) well, that was one thing I was going to ask about, except 
Well, okay, we'll go there first because I have two things I want to talk about. And that was one thing is we're talking teens and 20-somethings and maybe we haven't been doing this or we've been doing it halfway, you know, not really inspecting or not having really clear expectations, standard operating procedures. And I love that term. I had done the same thing. I, I didn't laminate it, but from the printer, I'd print it out. Here's how you clean the bathroom. Here's what needs to be done in the living room. Here's what needs to be done in the kitchen. When I say vacuum the main floor, these are all the places that you have to vacuum. Right. <laughs> and I had posted those in the house and, and I had them, but I never thought about really going back and inspecting them. I mean, not since my kids were little. And yet, like you said, they forget, they don't realize, they don't see dirt the same way I see dirt. They're not quite old enough yet <laughs> to actually see it all. And my husband never has. <laughs> so this whole idea of their teens, maybe they are in their twenties. We, you know, we have our early 20 somethings and we have more of them around since COVID hit. What can we do to make this happen? You know, when they're little, you do a chore chart and you have stickers and stars what do we do to get these teens on board and not create a huge brouhaha about cleaning? Okay. So there's a couple of different tips that I can give here. Um, the first being, don't be afraid of a brouhaha. Okay. <laughs> um, just because like, I mean, some, see, I have this, I have this theory, which is there is no peace without war. Um, I don't know how that plays out like on the global stage, but um, in terms of relationships, you can't have peace in your heart and your mind and your house if you're not willing to go to bat for the things that need to be accomplished, right? So if you are avoiding these inspections or avoiding um, laying out these expectations because you're afraid of how your teen is going to react, <laughs> then that's just going to build up resentment and frustration on your part. And your team's going to end up picking up on that. It's not great for the relationship. It's best to just get it out there. And if there's a, if, if there's a brouhaha, there is right. But you're the parent. So, you know, but I, I have kind of some old school mom mentality there. So that might not go over great with everybody, but what I can tell you is that, um, you know, one of the best ways that I have found to, break through um, a wall with a teen. Like if one of my teens is throwing up a wall over something, one of the best ways for me to break through that is to tell them, Hey, here's the thing. I messed up. <laughs> I made a mistake. I, you know, I gave you all of these chores and then I just expected that you would know how to do them. And I never gave you any accountability. I never came and inspected them myself. I was lazy. And so I'm really sorry for that. I basically set you up to fail. So, you know, I'm sorry that, that I did that, that I expected you to just be able to know how to do this and then turned you loose. Um, and so this, this is how we're going to do it from now on. So I've always found that if I can admit my own part in the problem first, that kind of disarms my team to the point where they're willing to be like, oh, okay, well, if mom's willing to admit that she did something wrong, then I can, I can admit my spot in it too. So I have to be the person who's willing to admit wrongdoing first, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. And, and that's one of the things we've talked about here a lot on Mighty Parenting is being real, being honest with our kids and, and being human and saying, hey, this is where I screwed up. This is what we're going to do. 
And also listening. If we say, hey, this is the system that we're going to be implementing. And if they can respectfully say, I kind of have an issue with that, we can listen to what their issue is. It doesn't mean that there won't be a system, but maybe we will tweak it based on what they say. Maybe we want everybody to do chores together on Saturday morning. And they say, hey, that doesn't work well for me. I really need to sleep in, or I really love that time to be with my friends. It'd work better if I could do my chores on, you know, Wednesday afternoon or whatever it is. Well, you decide, does that work for you? Doesn't it? And and you can go back and forth on that. But the conversation, Mm -hmm. even as you were talking, Ashley, just as you were discussing this conversation, it felt more comfortable for me. Right. If I'm on the receiving end of it, this is a conversation and this is, hey, you know, we have this issue. I'm being cranky pants about this. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm yelling at you for not doing things or right. Right. I'm tense with you and this isn't really your fault. I screwed up. Right. And that's, you know, this is a great lead into my second strategy with this, which is um, when you think about chores, the way that I I approach them as these are life skills. You are going to need these in order to live a happy, productive, um, sanitized life (laughs) as an adult. (laughs) And so I need to make sure that I teach you this before you leave the nest. Now, I also put a huge emphasis and you probably do too, Sandy, on teaching my teens how to self-govern themselves. And so as they're moving into their teens and, you know, later teens, I try to give my, my, my teens as much decision-making power as possible. And so I do tell them this has to be done by the end of the week. I do not care when you do it. You know, if it's not like a, like for bathrooms that has to be done like four times a week, cause we have a huge family. Um, but you know, for my teen who vacuums out the van every week or for my teen who mops the downstairs, it does not matter to to me when you do it, it just needs to be done once a week and I need to inspect it. So I let them then set their own timetable. And if it's, if there's an, you know, a time, which there is on Saturday mornings, when we are really, you know, doing our best to, you know, pull everything together so that we can have, you know, a nice clean, tidy home for the weekend. Um, you know, the teens are participating if they're awake, but if they're not awake, that's okay too. Because again, you know, I do want them to be self-governing. So being able to just give them that decision-making power, I feel it, it, it helps them to feel like they have a place at the table instead of, you know, on Saturday morning at 9 30 AM, I need you to report to the kitchen for your duties, (laughs) you know, which doesn't feel very good. So, um, it, it kind of turns the whole table around, you know, when you, when you give them that ability to self-govern and the opportunity to practice it, cause it's really important to practice self-governing before you're out on your own. I'd rather my teens make mistakes and learn, you know, how to wisely use their time while they're here rather than, you know, if they're on their first big job and they have never had an opportunity to ch- try and fail before when it comes to like time management type things. So um, there's just so many lessons to be learned <laughs> when you're well, implementing chores in the house. Yeah, there are. And I love that you brought it to that because this is about time management. It's about being responsible, being responsible to other people. 
Mm-hmm. It's about being part of a team, being part of a household, and they're going to have all different kinds of households. Yeah. They're going to have roommates in in college or in apartments, and they you know they may get married and have a family of their own, but through their life, they're, they're going to have to work with other people. Like you said, they're going to go to a job and they're going to be part of a team. Yeah. And if they are used to, hey, you know, here is a list of stuff that needs to be done, then they, they know a little bit more about how to manage that, how to talk to the team leader if there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Or if they look at it and go, okay, well, you want me to do this, but I have no idea how to do it. Like they know there should be a standard operating procedure, that, that that's something that exists. Right, exactly. <laughs> Not just these random, wow, you know, mom inspected this, but all I ever hear is that I never did good enough because they don't know what they're supposed to do. That it doesn't really sit well. And, it, and again, I, I took it back to this idea of relationship just because I talked to so many people and I've been in this boat myself where we just get irritated and irritable and it harms our relationship. And one of our big goals here at Mind of Parenting is to strengthen that relationship, to improve our communication as we're teaching our kids these skills they need in the real world, which loops me back around because one of the other things we always talk about is modeling things, doing things. But you mentioned the mindset of the whichever parent, whoever's going to be in charge of this, the, you know, and I know that typically that is mom, but we have our dads too, who are here, who are like, you know, mom is the one that cares the most about it. You know, that's usually (laughs) generally speaking, just don't care as much about it. And so the, it falls to the mom's shoulders for that reason I found. <laughs> okay. So that's your area of expertise. So just know dad, if you're the guy at home, cause I know we had a neighbor that this was all him. Like, you know, he was in charge of all of that. And like you said, it meant more to him. And I think that's probably what happens right. is which parent does it mean more to right. Or, or yeah. who ends up with that responsibility when it doesn't get done by somebody else. That's the person who it's going to mean a lot to so there was this mindset that you mentioned. You were talking about how you're the manager and your biggest chore is inspecting the other people's chores. It's it's working with your people. It's being a leader. It's managing your people. Can you talk a little right. bit about that mindset? Because it is a shift. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So I like to think of it in terms of um, a coach, like a coach of an NFL team or like the um, the store manager of Target. Um, You know, that person, while they could step in and run the cash register or while I theoretically they could step in and snap the football, that's not their job. (laughs) Their job is to make sure that their team is equipped and is doing their job and is, you know, um, practicing the correct fundamentals and is completing their job. And, you know, that, that is their job. It's to keep everything running around them. And then when there is, you know, I, I actually, I used to work at target. That's why I brought up target when someone is out sick, then the manager can pitch hit, you know, pinch hit because they, they, they know how to do everything. Um, so the manager then can step in, Um, you know, the manager can step in if there's training that needs to be done. You know, if, 
if one of my kids is having trouble in the bathroom, getting, you know, the ring around the to the toilet or whatever, you know, if there's like some lime scale or something, you know, you're not just going to hand them an SOP and say, well, this is how you do it. Right. No, you're going to grab the toilet brush or a pumice stone. And you're going to be like, well, this is what you do in this instance. And you get your hands dirty. Um, there are, with that being said, there are certain areas, um, that I am completely responsible for. And it's that detail cleaning, the stuff that no one else in the house is going to see, but I see it and I care about it. So those are the things that I, that I do take care of because I know, you know, the, the kids in my home don't have the maturity level yet to see that. And it, it's probably one of those things, you know, I'm talking like dusty baseboards, right? I'm, um, it's one of those things that most of these kids aren't going to see until they have their own home. And even then they might not see it, which, you know, whatever, when I go visit them, I'll just dust the baseboards. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's, it's important though, for our kids to see us working alongside them too. Um, but really the biggest responsibility is those inspections because without them, everything just really falls apart. And, um, I was actually, I did a Facebook live in my, my group today, um, talking about, um, nagging because this one mom said, you know, I feel like all I do is nag, 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 nag. And I said, well, the thing that you have to do is stop nagging. <laughs> I said, you know, does an NFL coach nag their team to go do their conditioning drills? No. Um, does the CEO have to nag her executive assistant to manage her calendar? No. <laughs> she sets the expectation and then, you know, her team follows through. And that comes from mindset though. That comes from the mindset that I put this expectation down. I have the authority to do that. And I know that my team is going to follow through on those expectations, um, you know, which sometimes that's, that's a harder area for some parents to grasp that they actually are the authority <laughs> in the home and um, to have the confidence to say, Hey, I need for you to do this now and know that it actually will happen and that they, that they don't have to nag. But I think when our kids hear us nagging about something, for some reason, that's an automatic signal to them not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of seems like the, um, the default mode, you know, if, if we start nagging or if we get that certain voice, um, kind of like the, the martyr voice, right? Like, I can't believe that there's dishes in the sink again. Why does this always happen? Why am I the only person in this house that ever puts the dishes in the dish, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I think that, that just shuts down a child's brain and makes them resist it even more, you know, it just kind of like, it's like the, um, you know, the glazed over eyes and deaf ears that just, it completely turns off our kids. So <laughs> that was kind of a rabbit hole. Well, I think it's more emotional manipulation. There are no actual consequences coming from us right. when we do that. We're, right. just, exactly. we're whining, we're complaining, we're, as you said, playing the martyr role, but there's no consequence and nobody likes to be manipulated. So I would tune out if someone's trying to manipulate me. And I think I've shared on the show before <laughs> my husband's solution to dirty dishes is he started putting them in the kids' beds. <laughs> if he found that. dirty dishes, he put them in the kids' beds. And then that the kids fantastic. got mad because he left some dishes out and they wanted to put them in our bed. And I looked at them and I said, I sleep in that bed. <laughs> you cannot put dirty dishes in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not fair. Super smart. I love that idea. <laughs> but it, I think that's part of it is you said first we have to do the mindset shift. We have to actually 
expect that when we put it out there, that it will happen. And part of expecting that is being willing to have whatever consequences there are. And sometimes the natural ones work. I mean, if they were supposed to make dinner and they didn't make dinner, well, when I get home, they're going to come in the kitchen and they're going to make dinner and they're going to have to listen to everybody else gripe about being hungry. Right. Exactly. (laughs) While they're doing it. So sometimes there's kind of a natural consequence and sometimes we may have to impose one, but yes, that's also on us because we didn't teach them to do it this way before. So there'll be a little bit of a growing pain as we expect them to follow through and, and make sure that that happens. Now, that being said, I'm also assuming that this is not a situation like some that we've talked about here where, you know, you're living in that parenting control battle and everything is a battle. We're talking about a more traditional parent child situation where you're generally speaking, you're, you're living together reasonably well, and you have a, a, a reasonable to really good relationship and you can just do traditional, uh, traditional rule setting expectations, consequences, but there's that mindset piece. I want to go back to that again. You talked again in before when you talked about being the manager and you said, you know, our job is to inspect and like, that's the biggest part of our job. And yes, we're going to do some other things and it's good to work side by side. It was funny. You mentioned cleaning the baseboards because that's when I pull everybody and I go, okay, we're spring cleaning the living room. All of us are coming in here. Somebody move furniture. Somebody get this towel and wash down the baseboards. Somebody does this. And we do those kinds of detailing cleanings together side by side. The normal weekly stuff, you do it whenever you do it. As long as it gets done, I don't care. But one of the reasons I, for a long time, resented making the chore charts or the, I still love SOPs. (laughs) I never called it that. You know, making the the how-to list, the SOPs, all those things was because when I did it, like I would write down the list of, okay, this is all the cleaning I want done this week or this weekend or whatever. And I was taking an equal share of the chores. But in addition to that, I was also doing, putting all the energy into all the managerial part. And when we do that, if we don't make that shift that you talked about to go, wait, I'm the manager, that is a chore. Like that's my chore and I need to give myself time to do that. Yes. And you know, it's not only inspecting, it's also being uplifting to your team, right? So if you're walking through the kitchen and you see Sue scrubbing the sink out real well, when she's done with those dishes, like praise her. Like, oh my gosh, Sue, great job. Like, thanks so much for doing that. I love it when the sink gets scrubbed, you know, great job. Like it's so important, I think, to catch our kids doing stuff, right. (laughs) You know, it's so important to acknowledge when our children are doing really well and going above and beyond. And so I, I make a point when, you know, it's one of the cleaning times throughout the day, because we have different times throughout the day where everybody just kind of stops and we all reset the house. I walk through and I'm like, Hey, great job over there. I see you doing that. You know, thank you so much for reaching underneath the sofa and getting those Legos really, really appreciate that. Cause I couldn't reach that. I have short arms, you know, just like kind of contributing to the morale 
of everything. And, you know, if, if, you know, one of my toddlers is having trouble sweeping, I say toddler, he's like five, it's not really a toddler anymore, right? Um, sweeping up after lunch, you know, if he's having trouble getting everything in, in the dustpan, you know, I'll bend down and, you know, help him a little bit, but just walking through and just contributing to a positive attitude and making sure that everybody's tanks are getting filled up with praise, it just, it goes so far and it just really turns into something. It's, you know, kind of like a team building activity instead of just, well, let's clean mom's house again (laughs) type of thing. (laughs) And for the parent who's listening, who's like, I just hate being the keeper of the box. What do you say to them? The keeper of the box. What do you mean the, by that? The I'm person sorry. in charge. I'm sorry. That it's a friend of mine's oh. term. Um, so I hate okay. being the person who has to manage all of this stuff. Hmm. I don't okay. like being the manager. So the question I would ask is, if it's not going to be you, who is it going to be? Somebody has to be in charge. There's always a leadership vacuum. Um, so if you don't want to be in charge, that means one of your kids is going to be in charge. And I don't think but could you like do that? that? And do you know anyone who's tried that? Like with an older kid going, you know what? I don't like organizing this stuff and checking on it. Do you, do you, want, you actually, guys want to do that? <laughs> so I actually, I use this, that's that specific tactic with a few of my, well, with really with two of my teens who I can trust that they'll, <laughs> that they're not going to abuse it. <laughs> Um, I will tell them, I'll say, Hey, I need for you to please inspect so-and-so's work. Here's the SAP, please go do it. But I have to do that. And I have to let them know if I go back and I see that the job wasn't done well and that you didn't really inspect it, you're going to have to actually do the parts that so-and-so didn't do in the first place. And I learned that from working in a restaurant. That's how they uh, uh, kept the restaurant clean was there was one person, one of the waiters was always the inspector and if there was stuff that didn't end up getting done, then that person had to go back and do it. Um, I don't love doing that all the time. I will use it in an emergency. Um, I just feel like sometimes it puts undue pressure on the relationship between children. Um, if it's done on a regular basis, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, egos get inflated and the relationship just ends up getting off if it's done for too long. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like our, our teens really need, um, someone to look up to as modeling the behavior, Mm -hmm. um, that we want them to be emulating one day. And so if they see us kind of, you know, sidestepping that, responsibility of leadership. Um, you know, it's just in terms of being like an example of life skills, it's not really the best, (laughs) the best example in my opinion. So I would say to find, find a style of parental leadership that speaks to you. And the way that I have found to do that is to watch different movies, older movies sometimes. Um, and it's usually not a parent that you're looking for. It's usually actually like a nanny. Um, but if you watch Mary Poppins, if you watch um, Nanny McPhee, Sound of Music, um, even like the Super Nanny show um, that was on for a while. 
And, you know, some of these are really kind of geared towards younger kids, but some of those movies do have interactions between nannies or governesses and teens and kind of like find one of those styles that resonates with you and start trying to model your interactions after that, because there's all sorts of different styles of leadership, right? Not every leader, thank goodness, (laughs) is an authoritarian leader. Um, You know, you could be more of a collaborative leader. Um, You know, there's all sorts of different types of leadership models out there. So I would say if the way you've been doing it just makes you feel sick at your stomach and you just feel uncomfortable in that role, then I would say it's time to explore different styles of leadership until you find one that really resonates and feels good and feels more comfortable for you. But I think that our kids need to have their parents in those leadership roles. Um, Otherwise it just turns into Lord of the flies. (laughs) Well, and I love that you said that what they would see is us sidestepping the leadership Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. being willing to take on the responsibility that we do have in the home. And I, yeah. and I also believe from the conversations I've had with moms over the years, that a big piece of it is that a lot of moms do the same thing I did, which is I'm going to take my equal share of the chores. And then we have mm-hmm. all of those managerial duties on top of it. And, mm-hmm. or we don't actually set up a system that where our kids learn to do the follow through. We don't, right. we don't set the, the expectations properly <clears throat> so they don't know what to do or we don't have a system where they've been required to follow through in the past. So maybe it gets done and maybe it doesn't. And there's all those undercurrents happening. But if we have that mindset of, okay, you know, I'm, I'm getting everybody going, I'm getting everything happening. I'm going to kind of go through, I'm going to be morale booster and support and check crew. And that is most of my work. And then I pitch Mm -hmm. in where I can, in addition to that, I think Mm -hmm. that takes off a lot of the weight and pairing it with the different leadership styles makes a ton of sense, a ton of sense. Yes. It's just, you know, it's one of those things to taking it, everything like for me, everything turns into a life skill lesson, right? And, you know, the leadership one, because our kids are going to encounter at some point in their lives, a time when they have to do something hard that they don't feel equipped for, and that they don't feel like they have the right personality type for, um, and they're going to have to do it anyway. And so I feel like as parents, if we can provide them with a concrete example of a time when mom or dad had to do that and just, you know, be super transparent with your kids, you know, like I'm struggling here in this role. And so I'm really trying to figure this out um, so that I can be a good example to you kids. You know, that's kind of the way that I approach it. But, you know, I, I want my kids to see me struggle because I want my kids to understand that I'm not afraid to fail. Um, because I feel like that way they'll go into life, you know, with that same mentality, hopefully, and then, you know, they're not going to give up, (laughs) I guess. So it's kind of a life lesson in grit and determination. And I think if we can somehow model that for our kids, you know, whether it be through assuming a leadership role that we don't really feel comfortable with, or, you know, starting a business or, you know, finishing your college education, you know, I can think of so many different ways that we can model that for our kids and show them how to do the tough stuff. Um, It's just valuable that, 
and you won't see the fruit from it probably for another 10 or 20 years, but you'll see it eventually. So it all boils down to our mindset, how we're communicating with them and modeling behaviors that we want them to have as adults, even though what we're talking about is chores. And, and again, yeah, well, and like I said, who thought about it? It reminds me of Tangled. Frying pans. Who, th- who thought about it? Who knew? Exactly. <laughs> but, but it is, it's, it's something that can calm the chaos in the home, can take the stress levels down a notch or two or 10 <laughs> and is building these life skills that we want our kids to have. So Ashley, thank you so much for sharing this with us. For anyone who wants to learn more about you and your work and some of the support tools that you have, where would they find you? You can find me at freedommoms.com. There's a blog up. Um, Some of my courses are listed there. I'm also on Instagram um, at freedommoms and I'm on Facebook too, but I can't remember what the name of the page is. The Freedom Moms, I believe. Okay, there you go. Thanks, Sandy. <laughs> and it, well, it's all on your website. So we've got you covered and we have, we'll have we have Ashley's website in a live link in the show notes. So it'd be easy peasy to get there. Just click the link. And Ashley, thank you for sharing all of this with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And Mighty Parents, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, if you got some new ideas, pass it along to another parent. And also please rate and review it in your podcast players so other parents find us. And remember, if you're here, if you're listening, you are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.